Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Sound Iron Podcast. I am your host, Craig Peters, and today on the Sound Iron Podcast, we talk with composer and percussionist David Oliver, whose intuitively inventive style has brought him to work with award-winning composer William Goodchild in 2012. David later went on to create rhythm ensemble recordings for National Geographic wildlife documentary Ultimate Honey Badger, which received its highest number of Nat Geo views. In this podcast, we talk about his musical background, and he also gives us some insight into the genesis of what became Rhythmic Odyssey, which is a loop-based percussion library that we recently released with him, and so much more. So stick around. All right, so welcome back to the Sound Iron Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Peters, and with me today is Michael Peasley, and we are talking with David Oliver. David, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good, Craig. Yeah, good to talk to you. Yeah, it's nice to, nice to finally uh, talk to you a little bit. And uh, some of the things that I wanted to talk about is because uh, you have so many drums in such a huge collection <laughs> and kind of want to know a little bit about your musical background and sort of how you got into the world of drumming. Yeah, okay. Well, how far back do you want to go? I mean, basically... Uh, as far as you want. Yeah, I mean, we've got a little baby now, so he's learning as well. He's been, nick- oh, nice. he's been nicking my shakers, so... Um, yeah, when I was about three years old, I was hitting pots and pans, uh, making dents and everything. So my folks channeled that. And uh, really, I sort of just got, you know, I, I remember being five years old and seeing this 10 year old playing a drum kit. And I thought, that's what I want to do. And uh, it was several years later when I managed to actually do it. But uh, I built my own drum kit. I used a suitcase for a bass drum. Uh, made a bass drum pedal out of wood and elastic, had a golf ball for the beater. Um, and yeah, I just saved up loads of pocket money and bought stuff secondhand and stripped them all down and sort of uh, made my own stuff, really. Um, and then I got into listening to music and um, uh, sort of I started with sort of bands like even during the Blockheads. I don't know if you know them. Um, hit, hit me with your rhythm stick. It's a great track, incredible bass. Oh, nice. um, bands like Chic, who is really cool. Le Freak in Good Times. Uh, I got into band ska bands like Madness, uh, The Specials, um, and of course Bob Marley, James Brown, Quincy Jones, um, and a massive influence on me. My dad, who was into big band swing, took me to Buddy Rich. Uh, which yeah, he's a complete legend, incredible guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and he broke a stick during the performance, and I said, "I'm going to have that." So I went up to the the bass player at the end of the gig and said, "Yeah, can I can I have that stick?" So he got it for me, and I, I've still got it. <laughs> That's um, awesome. That's that really cool. Yeah. Uh, in case of emergencies, <laughs> but you know, it's it's kind of nice to to feel like you're channeling these guys. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I started listening to a lot of funk and contemporary rock jazz bands like Stanley Clark, Weather Report, uh, Carlos Santana. Um, nice. Yeah. And followed solo drummers, you know, like Omar Hakim and Neil Peart. Um, uh, percussionists, Alex Acuna, Manolo, Manolo Badrina and Trilet Gertu. Uh, pretty much. And I discovered world music when I was about 20. Uh, bought some congas and really got into township music of South Africa. And um, that was great because I learned that songs can be about anything. 
you know, even chickens, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Paul Simon's Graceland is one of my favorite albums. So that's a bit of a background. That's awesome. very yeah. cool. So how, I mean, you've been playing drums your entire life. It's sort of mm. become, it didn't become, you became a person through sort of your, your love of, of percussion. I mean, I, yeah. I've known a lot of drummers, and, and I, your collection is insane. You know, <laughs> you have instruments I have never heard of, and yeah, and I'm sure that's not even you know all of your collection. That's just sort of what what we you know kind of delved into with Rhythmic Odyssey. Yeah. Um, how right. do you choose instruments? How do I choose them? Um, how do you find? Well, how do you find them, and how do you choose them? Yeah, I mean, there's a few really good shops down our way, and when uh we play festivals and things like that. I, I always browse to see what people are selling. Um, and I can't walk past a shop without going, if I see some percussion, I'll go in there and try it out. And if, if for me, it's, if I resonate with it, I'll either buy it or come back later or, or go away and make it, you know. Um, for instance, um, I went to a gig in Bath, which is not far from here, and uh, somebody was playing a mouth bow harp, which is actually featured in the, Rhythmic Odyssey, and it's the, it's what the people of the Kalahari play, the, the San, the Bushman, and very simple. It's just a stick with a, a cable across it, and so I, I made one using a strip of hazel, which I wrapped around a chair overnight, um, and then stuck a guitar string on it, and you just play it by hitting with a chopstick and putting it through your, through your mouth. So. Yeah, th- those those kind of things excite me. It's it's basically I go with instinct, you know. Something yeah. that excites me, I use it, you mm-hmm. know. Anything that's got, you know, some sort of resonance to me is a re- is, is a piece of percussion, you know. It could be. Uh, yeah. I expect you go you, as well, Mike. Can you ever walk past a pub without sort of playing the barrels or something? Yeah, it's it's sort of. I, I don't know. It's it, it's it's like some people get into into visual sort of stimuli or smells or thing but for me it's the yeah. hearing it's like i can so much sort of emotional and sort of so much meaning is it is attached to sound so like how yeah. something resonates how it cross resonates all the different nodes and and sort of like harmonics that are there that that can create for me like whole aesthetics whole feelings that that, that kind of puts you i mean like you know sometimes they can harken back to a certain song yeah. But sometimes, you know, they, they take you back to your childhood or to, you know, like say the sound of a certain kind of, uh, you know, subway horn as it's coming to the station. You hear uh-huh. that any, you know, you might not have heard that sound for decades, but then suddenly you hear it and it puts you there. You know, just yeah. one millisecond of sound is all it takes to take your brain someplace. So, yeah, I, you know, I think it's the same way. You know, it's like if it if it can be an instrument, and even if it can't, I mean, we had um, had this big family collection of uh, Native American uh, pottery and carvings and things like that. Thousands okay. of years old. They'd just been kind of collecting dust. And I was yeah. like, these are instruments. They have to be. And so uh-huh. we, you know, we recorded percussion with those uh, for our petroglyph library because there's just, there's so much aesthetic. There's so much, you know, that the reason why you can never just sample one instrument and call it done is because no two instruments, even if they're the exact same type, are the same. Everything, you know, has its own life, its own soul. Yeah, yeah that's very mm-hmm. true. Actually, life and soul, the, the spirit of, of the drum 
I don't know if you've ever read Mickey Hart's Planet Drum. Uh, I very highly, highly recommend it. But he, he talks about the spirit of the drum. So he's also got a massive collection, uh, which I believe has been sampled. But I, when I am recording an instrument or, or playing it, I just kind of tune into what the drum, you know, the resonance of the drum, the kind of nuances that it that it plays. Uh, rather than looking up in a book, how is this drum played? What should I do? I just feel my way. It's very much an instinctive thing, isn't it? Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. uh, the thing about resonance of, of things, you know, uh, uh, in one of the projects, actually, I, I used it in this project as well. I used water drums, which was, um, I was working with a composer called Will Goodchild, and mm-hmm. he was doing a, a program about otters. And he said he wanted some water sounds. So um, as I was washing up, I was thinking, what kind of thing can I do? And I was messing around in the washing up bowl. And I, I turned a pot upside down, started tapping it. And I thought, OK, there's something there. So I took myself off to a hardware store and bought some mixing bowls, some metal ones, after tapping them in the, in the shop. Um, and at, at some point, I realized there was somebody stood over my shoulder while I was kneeling down. I looked up and this old boy, this old boy was looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? You know, I was just t- <laughs> tapping it to see how it resonated. Uh, and so I, mm-hmm. I bought a variety of those for about three pounds each and got them those home. The water bowls? Yeah, the water drums. Or water yeah. drums, sorry, water, water drums. Water drums, yeah. yeah. Um, in Africa, they, as you know, they use a uh, calabash um, with water. So they fill, yeah. fill the calabash halfway up which to listeners is a, a giant pumpkin hollowed out. Um, so my version was to, to use uh, plastic um, wa- uh, mixing bowls resting on top of the water with the metal ones underneath. And I, f- I filled up the, the bowl to the sympathetic resonance, if that makes sense, of, of the actual, uh, when I tapped the metal bowl. Um, mm-hmm. So I found that the, the frequency of the top bowl was kind of in harmony with what was happening underneath as well. So, that is awesome. so yeah. cool. So that was pretty pretty fun. And it, it kind of reminded me of uh, when I was a kid, I was making stuff, you know. Um, if you can't buy something, then uh, find a way of making it, you know. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that's, a, that's a, it's a, it's an excellent way of, of going through life, of, of sort of, I don't know, learning. I mean, that, that I think true mastery comes from not just, repeating and and perfecting the 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 act of playing drums for example or other instruments but yeah of becoming of of caring about the the details of it understanding Mm -hmm. you know that there's so much to explore that you 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 should be able to discover new new parts of it years after you've you know ostensibly mastered it as a as a skill it's yeah completely it's um it's like like with taiko drums. I, I uh, hired or borrowed some taiko drums from mm-hmm. a friend, and um, I have been to her classes, so I learned how to play to a certain extent. And uh, as you know, when you play taiko drums, they're very dynamic, very physical. Um, mm-hmm. The sticks are heavy, and it's you, it's a workout, you know. Yeah. But but I found that that's not what I wanted to do with these drums. I got them home, um, very very heavy. And I started tapping with my hands before I got the sticks out. And I thought, hey, that's, there's something there. That, that there's a, a different tonality to the drums that I haven't heard before. Yeah, Tycho's um, are awesome hand drums. They're the best yeah. hand drums. Oh, you've played them as well. 
Oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. We did a a whole big library back at a, a Tone Hammer kind of b- before uh, Sound Iron took off, and okay. uh, it was. But it was a great experience just to have a whole bunch of Tycos kind of to myself just to kind of get in there, and uh, I'm, that was the main thing. You know, was playing them as hand drums because every yeah. inch of them is is unique. Uh, it's like the ultimate. I mean, frame drums were kind of mind blowing when I really started getting into those. The big ones, uh-huh. you can yeah. get some amazing tonality out of them. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, and using muting with the hand as well. Yeah, um, you can get sort of harmonics as well with them. You can even get um, palm bends like you could off a of tabla. You can do that where you, yeah. you, know, you tap it with your middle finger and then slide it with your wrist. You that with with a big daiko is like. <laughs> It's yeah. insane. It's yeah, awesome. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, tricky because so it like tension, like tension starts to come into play to find that right like balance. But they were just such fun to play like that. Yeah, and it's amazing. Um, it's not necessarily about how much you spent on an instrument as to whether the quality of the sound you're after. Um, I guess it's like fine wines. I'm no expert on wines, but you know, um, you can pay 10 times the amount for one wine but it's not 10 times better tasting yeah no no absolutely that's true of all instruments i mean yeah. the best of the tycos they had they had some really nice you know sort of like professionally made ones but then the best sounding one to me was the, the one they had made themselves out of wine barrel yeah and you know stretched yeah. the skin themselves and they were you know almost embarrassed about it because like you know they, it, it'd been a learning experience but it by uh-huh. far was the best best sounding the most in tune and most kind of like rich i think that's that's yeah. just true of of all instruments though it's like it because you're the the, the the fundamental properties of sound they're kind of democratic in a way yeah they just work you know sometimes you can find an old garbage can that sounds beautiful like absolutely and and so the idea that i mean you can perfectly craft something to the right specifications and then use the best materials but if something goes wrong or there's something about that wood that the grain didn't line up and you know maybe it just didn't sound good whereas some cheap old drum or guitar yeah it just got lucky it just sounds awesome and that's the best drum it doesn't matter that it was you know a fraction of the price of some grand you know like signature drum from some uh yeah, it, it really. I think that's the 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 cool thing about music is it. You you can't buy quality at the end of the day. You've got to make it. Yeah, you've got to make it, and yeah. and also you, we've got to use our ears. You know, you can buy, you can spend money and think, oh, I've got the best thing there. But when you use your ears, you you may find, yeah, you've you've already got something that's that's just as good. Yeah. Um, I've been out busking when uh, you know i didn't have a drum and i just use a guitar case and it just sounds great um uh at one festival this year there was a guy that's a fantastic percussionist we we kept talking about having a jam but he was playing many times and i was playing many times we kept crossing over um mm-hmm. a guy called rowan uh he's such a cool drummer and uh he's a bit like troilet gertu if you know troilet gertu um Place sitting down and hands in every direction like an octopus. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In the event we di- didn't have time to have a jam, I just I just finished. He just finished, and I was j- emptying my calabash out with water, which was great fun. Um, uh, I, I was got so into playing it actually. I mean, it's a huge great thing. 
and at some stage I'd, I'd thump it with my fist while I'm playing the cajonico and the frame drum and the djembe all at the same time. Uh, and the water splashed up in my face. It was great. <laughs> so it's, it's super fun. And so as I was getting rid of the, the water, some guys came up to me and said, hey, that's sacred water. Can I douse myself with it? I said, yeah, be my guest. So a couple of guys actually <laughs> stuck their whole head in it and like they were apple bobbing. It's an English tradition. I don't know if you have that over here, over there. Yeah, when America. we were kids, I remember that. Yeah. yeah so anyway, he, he, he anointed himself with the water. Uh, so I went over to the, to the water hole, basically, or the place where I got the water from. And, and this guy, Rowan, was around there. He said, hey, let's have a jam now. So uh, at that stage, put the calabash down and just I was just jumping, jumping on a bucket. Uh, uh, he, he had a go on the, on the ca uh, calabash. Uh, we just connected like that. It was just synch synchronicity. It was great fun. So we didn't yeah. need all our awesome. array of gear. We just connected that way. And uh, I, I find music for me is just my way of communicating. You know. It's, yeah, um, I mean, and it, and it's of all the instruments too. The, the percussion, voice, and percussion are sort of the fundamental because, like, anything is a drum. You know, mm. and. And, it, you know, it's like, well, you, you know, if you've been a drummer your whole life, you, you everybody around you has probably noticed that you're probably constantly finger tapping on everything around you. Yes, right. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, getting into your, or like you're leaning over your car and then you just suddenly notice that the hood of your car has the, the coolest sort of bass tone if you hit it with the side of your thumb, just right? <laughs> suddenly you're just, you're just sitting yeah. there for, you know, five minutes and people wonder what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's exactly. times I've t tapped my bare foot on the kitchen floor, and I'm like, "That sounds like a kick drum. Mm -hmm. Like it just like it has like like a like a metal kick drum because it has that sort of splat to yeah. it." Yeah. And it's like I wonder how that would sound if you recorded it and EQ'd it and stuff. It would yeah, sound right. awesome. I mean, that's that's yeah. it. You got to get the microphone up in there and just get it because it it does. You know, if you if you use the right mics in the right position, you can sometimes really capture that hard to to find sound. You know, you. If you live the world with your ears, but so many people, the way they, they mic instruments, they, they put them at this weird arm's length and you lose yeah. all that body, that, that, that oomph that you can feel in your guts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, we, we learn how to mic things by experimentation um, and standing on the shoulders of giants of people that have done mm -hmm. it before. But there are some times, like harking back to what the Beatles used to do, um, as far as I know, something I was told about is that they were experimenting with Ringo's drum kit and they, they stuck some slabs of meat inside his bass drum just to see what it would sound like. Um, and with the saxophones, they, they, they rammed him, the microphones right down in, inside the, the chamber. So mm -hmm. I think the thing is, you know, for me, it's don't follow too many rules, you know, as long as there's not uh, phasing going on, uh, mm. I keep moving the microphones around until I think, that's captured what I'm what I'm after. There's something interesting there. Yeah. So so I'm constantly wearing headphones as I'm, you know, setting the microphones up and listening to and tapping and retuning and uh, isolating noises and things like that. Little little glitches. Um, and uh, one thing that happened to me while I was having my headphones on that the cables got caught up. I'm sure they've got a mind of their own. Mm -hmm. And I, I bent down to pick up the cable. Um, and I, as I came up, my head hit um, one of the temple blocks and it just made that, that comedy sound, which is a, a bit like a champagne cork going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, 
that sort of lightened the the concentration because as you know it's a serious business when you record stuff but yeah yeah uh so at the same time it's it's fun but it's um you've you've got to you know be really alert and listen to what's actually going on so uh your ears just learn as you go really yeah absolutely you know that i mean it's it's sort of like closing your eyes and trying to see with your ears yes and and, and sort of looking for the light looking for where the light is best mm yeah yeah it's crazy how things sound different when you close your eyes there, I have a friend he's a mixer. Okay. And, uh, when he would, when he would be listening to back to mixes, he would close his eyes and I was like, why do you do that? He's like, I can hear, I can, it allows me to hear better. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I would start doing that. I'm like, you start noticing way more things than you normally would because your eyes can distract you from yes. looking at mm-hmm. certain parts of the waveform or a plugin on your computer or something. It just, it, it, it totally yeah. zones you in, which is really cool. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah exactly. it def- definitely heightens heighten those senses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I've not actually recorded with my eyes closed. I don't think, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what I do like listening to music with my eyes closed. So it really helps me sort of focus on things. Um, yeah, my hand-eye yeah. coordination is not so good. At, at you know, I've tried playing drums uh, in the dark before, or, or like eyes closed, and uh, yeah, I start missing. Start missing a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's right. Hit your knee with a drumstick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I identify with that one definitely. But I don't know. Maybe it's a good uh, a good uh, practice technique, though. Maybe you perfect well, that, it worked, uh, your hand it placement. For, yeah, Stevie Wonder. I mean, he was a fantastic drummer. Not oh, that's a lot of people true. actually know that, but you guys probably do. But he he played a load a load of drumming and, and did solos as well. Um, mm-hmm. Did a lot of stuff in the studio. So yeah. It's great. So he's he's one of my one of my heroes actually. He's f- fantastic. Yeah, he is. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, how you got into composing and writing music for media because you've done some stuff with B- you know the BBC and National Geographic and PBS and uh, how did you sort of transition from just sort of being a drummer and and doing that sort of thing to actually getting into writing for national geographic and stuff like what was the transition yeah. oh well that happened by chance actually craig i'd written and published a number of songs and instrumentals uh for a music library and i'd made a series of loopable ringtones for blackberry mobile phones i dipped into the world of app developing i made a, a loop based app for apple with animated cartoon characters uh, where, you, where you'd you'd swipe a new drummer replace him with another one or a guitarist or bass player and you sync them up to, ja- oh, that's cool. to jam, yeah, uh, based on MIDI bass loops that I'd recorded, which are all in the same tempo and all, all in the same key, but playing different patterns, you know, um, which was fun. And I think it was a primitive seed for, for this particular project. Um, it, was, it was a child kind of thing, but it had a similar sort of underlying basis for it uh, to, be able to, mm-hmm. to be able to mix and match, you know. I mean... That that particular project was a bit like Misfits, that child's game where you put a different head on a different body and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, what happened was I, I, went, I met um, Will Goodchild, a UK composer. He's, he's, a, he's an amazing musician. He's a conductor, um, orchestrator, you know, all-round good guy, and he's supremely talented. Um, and he was basically giving a, 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 a lecture about music for TV. And I went along and 
introduced myself and said hi. Didn't actually tell him what I was doing. I just that was just a, a friendly kind of chat really. Um, and about a year later, a friend of mine who's a Mac engineer uh, was um, helping me out, and he was helping Will out as well, and just recommended my African drumming skills to him. And Will made a note of that. Okay, right, okay. I think I've met him before. Um, and he basically phoned me, got got in touch and said, I've, I'm working on a project, uh, thinking of doing some live African drumming. So do you want to give it a go? And at that stage, I didn't have any track record of recording for, for TV and film. And that was in 2011. Um, he, oh, actually 2012, yeah. I met Will in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loved what I did. Let's see. He basically sent over some string parts and I just layered it up with a whole tribe of, of African percussion. Uh, he loved what I did and said, OK, we'll send you over some more. Let's talk talk about money and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I was really surprised. I didn't know what animal it was about. I knew it was a wildlife program. Um, it was full of intrigue and energy. It turns out it was a, a, about a honey badger. <laughs> so imagine, don't give a shit. They don't, yeah, yeah, you're right. A formidable, fearless little animal he was. Um, they've they've got this thing where they their means of attack is to to charge backwards. Um, so, and yeah, yeah, they 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 are not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. They'll go in there after snakes and all sorts. So it's it's pretty pretty dramatic. So I recorded it with sense of of mind of being out in the field in the, in the African bush. So I decided to keep it quite rustic um, and just have a, have a bit of fun with it. I did a lot of close miking. I layered up uh, different, not sophisticated kalimba, but it was um, some very cheap ones I'd, I'd got, in a, got in a shop. And the notes, I, I sort of, I didn't have all the notes in each one kind of thing. So I just layered them up until I got more sort of melody going there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What I noticed about that is that, that Will took the stems and he, he chopped them up and he moved them around and created new pieces out of what I'd done. And it got me thinking, that's, that's, what, they, that's what they want. So I'd, yeah, I didn't get too attached to anything I did. I would just record everything I thought would be useful and just sent them all over. Uh, and it just occurred to me I'd like to do more of that. So I decided to to invest more energy and concentrated in it and got in touch with people and uh it was it was a it was a great start because will's got a great reputation so when i approached somebody they'd say oh you've worked with will oh great okay let's check you out so i invested more time and equipment bought more instruments and uh just continued playing live as well because that i really find that adds to my recording and mm-hmm. my inspiration, you know. So that's that's mm-hmm. in a nutshell how I got into it. It was completely by chance, really. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's funny how sometimes that just kind of randomly happens. Like you don't really expect that to happen, but you just kind of by who you meet and then just kind of fall into you know cool opportunities like that. And yeah, um, are there are there any uh, are there any other like projects that you've worked on as far as composing for media that that you've enjoyed or or uh, any other things that you're working on as far as uh, the composer aspect goes? Yeah. Um, I, I uh, Basically, a, a guy that was doing the, the, the mixing for Will, I'd, I was chatting with him, and uh, he was saying he, he, he loved what I did 
on, uh, I think he said it was Frozen Planet. And I said, oh, I didn't work on Frozen Planet. That was a David Attenborough uh, documentary. He said, oh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you played on that. Uh, never mind. Um, okay, well, if, if you haven't worked with Barnaby Taylor, I should suggest I'll put you in touch. So after I put the phone down, I just pitched to Barnaby and um, said, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm available if you need any, any, anything. Just get in touch. And uh, probably about an hour later, he phoned me up and said, great, it's perfect timing. I've got a project coming up. It's a, it's a BBC film about elephants and uh, we need some rustic sort of drumming, African drumming. And uh, that became a very interesting project for me because Barnaby was asking for kind of interest, interesting ideas. And so I went out, went to a hardware store and found some Jer rusty jerry cans and... Uh, he he mentioned bicycle spokes as well. So, well, yeah, I, I stripped down a bike and st started using that. Um, and also... There's a lot. I mean, the jerry cans, yeah. actually both instruments are in Odyssey. The jerry cans are. are really musical. Like, there's like the very fat tonal kind of quality and that you get mm. this kind of a simple two-tone melody effect going. Yeah. I really yeah, love very, those. Very, very useful. It's... I played around with them a fair bit with different padded um, sticks as well and just worked out the sweet spots, basically, and hit, hitting them on the side as well. And that worked out, that worked out really well. So in um, that particular project, which was um, Elephant Family and Me, I did a fair, fair number of drumming parts that actually kind of made it to the, the final cut in their, the form that I recorded them in which was great. Um, it's, it's great to have stuff in there, what, what, whatever's going on, whether it's cut up or whatever. But this one was quite uh, integrally intact. Uh, um, so that was, that was fun. That was a fair bit of creativity as well, because I recorded some kalimba parts, um, mm -hmm. fresh, brand new, without, with just, I bunged a load of, over them to, to Barnaby on Dropbox and said, have a listen to see if there's anything you like in there. So he, he honed in a few things and, pieced some of it together and just it did his magic with it really um then i then he sent it back to me and i fleshed it out and then he put some incredible uh a piano and guitar and strings and bass and got some other guys involved with that as well so mm. that that was that was really good fun to do um interesting ones apart from the ultimate honey badger which i told you about um mm. i did some some work for uh, Warhammer, which is a video, the video game. That's awesome. And the, what, one thing that stood out for me was this creature called Skaven. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, this sort of rat-like mutant creatures mm -hmm. who um, they, 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 you know, they're, they're bloodthirsty and they wield these swords and they're very erratic. And um, their, their favorite number is 13. So I thought, okay, well, let's get behind the headlights of these things. And um, I thought, okay, let's let's do something random every thirteenth, um, every thirteenth bar. So I I played a, a gong uh, in an unusual way. So it wasn't like a dinner gong. It was uh, getting the harmonics out of it. And I recorded um, a bicycle spoke played with a a blade, uh, it's a carving knife, uh, just to get some sort of 
You know how the sound of swords clashing, things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have that sort of spark sound to it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the kind of thing. Uh, and used, I used that, there's a jerry cans in that one as well. Uh, I layered them up, so I played them with beaters and with brushes as well, metal brushes. Um, and also layered them up with Velcro. I close mic'd Velcro ripping apart and made these kind of random sort of uh, explosions of energy, which sounded kind of erratic. So that that was good fun to do. And actually, that took me on to some of the cues that are actually in Rhythmic Odyssey. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's, there's, there's one in particular that has that kind of flavor to it. Uh, so yeah, that was, that's, that's a few of them. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of others, but th those kind of stand out. Let's, let's start to talk a little bit about, um, I think what, what Rhythmic Odyssey is sort of about, which makes it a really special library. Um, so, I mean, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, being able to create these elements that can be mixed and matched, used by the composer. And in a sense, on a on the base level, that's what Rhythmic Odyssey is. It's this huge collection yeah. of of all of these loops yeah. from all sorts of different kinds of instruments, uh, where each of the loops is an individual instrument uh, or a or a small submix of related instruments. Hmm. And um, but then beyond that, each so each loop is built in the structure of a song. So it it, it you know you have a say a song uh, so, you know where it begins with an intro. Then the next loop is more of a building line, and then the next one is building, and then the, the next one's kind of a crescendo, and then finally the the mm -hmm. last one is sort of a, is like a release or a big build up and and kind of finale or fadeaway. Yeah. yeah. So, Cadence, but then you yeah. have that with all of these complementary tracks. So you'll have like a slit drum part and a snare drum part and shakers and an udu um, or and like the water drums and each of those will be a separate track with the loops that work together vertically you know if you stack them up horizontally over time to build but then you can also mix and match from any part of the library any yeah. instrument track from any loop from any song and put them you know in any order you want so it's like you have these these inspired like the idea of the songs is that they're inspired. They're they're a fully formed creative picture. These layered, you know, percussion elements with yeah. you know low end and high end click and sh or shakers or like it's like a full well rounded meal. All your food groups are there. <laughs> yeah. And then and <laughs> with with all the vision of that progression from the beginning of a track to the end, but then broken into the, essentially a grid. You know, from you know top to bottom and side to side. So you get these Lego bits, you know, all these little elements that you can then click together from any other part of the library. Yeah. So I mean, I th and that's when you when you first kind of came out came to us and like we started talking, it was like, so that's what you were that that's what you had this this vision for, and and mm. you know, we got into the tracks. You know, you recorded so much content; it was insane how much you know we had to. <laughs> Tell me about it. And then, and, you know, and then, you know, to to break it down and, and, and condense it into this structure. I mean, the file naming conventions on the loop is, is insane. I mean, I'm a dork, so I love naming conventions and like, you know, uh. that, that sort of thing. Organization, library organization. But like, yeah, it's, you know, it's complicated, but it's, it's elegant. It's, you know, it's really cool how, you know, you kind of see the big picture, which is, you know, yeah. How do how do you how do you sample 
a performance in a way that gives you that same multi-sampling kind of can access, you know, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You, you just yeah. you got to you got to take it all apart, break it all down so that you can you know manipulate it and then and so you know, many different, you know, sonic, you know, sort of textures are here so you can, you know, if you're looking for a particular genre of 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 groove, well that you can look for if you're looking for a particular sort of uh, geographic region, you know, like African instruments or Asian instruments. Mm. That's also something you can you can look by. You can um, you can look for all sorts of different sort of subgenres of instrument or subgenres of of musical performance and break it down onto that granular level. Yeah, do you know I, I, I'm amazed how you've put this together. To be honest, I think it's it's fantastic. It's it's way beyond what I imagine you could possibly do with it. We're kind of pushing he- contact to about the limit of what it it's really currently able to do with you know just due to the got to pull a lot of audio data in there and a lot of zones so yeah pushing it we're pushing it to the edge but it's it's you know it's really cool that that we wanted to to make sure that you could get you know to really take you know not only get access to these loops but then what can you do with them so you can reverse them you can play each slice backwards or forwards or Mm-hmm. You know where you're, you know, whoop, 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 the sound, or where you can actually yeah. just play the slices out of sequence or randomize them. You can play individual mm-hmm. slices, you know, where each slice is a beat or a couple of beats, you know, where because some of these tracks they're not just like boom, boop, boop, you know, it's like you know, and then it's got layers, textures. So that whole thing, you know, you break that into slices and you can make your own groove out of it, or you can augment the groove that's there by playing individual loops, uh like as if they were individual multi-sample percussion on top mm. um you can put different effects on different tracks or different loops um individually and you know with a full kind of effects rack and you know send and receives to do delay and reverb in addition yeah. to the main effects rack on the back end where you can just make the whole mix go through whatever crazy combination you want yeah um yeah the idea was like okay so david's given us this amazing gold mine of like creative percussion mm. um content like you know little micro phrases or you know whether you look use the the the, the loops individually or kind of like these complete motifs if you want to use them as full so- you know i guess you could call them songs but they're they're kind of like songlets they're like yeah. two minutes ish so they have yeah. you know enough time to build but obviously since they loop you can extend them or rearrange them um mix and match them so there there's like this endless potential it doesn't just stick to one genre uh it it really covers a, an amazing gamut but we wanted to be able to say okay well then but how do you make this even more sort of infinite now can you take these fundamental grooves and if you ram them through distortion or uh like a convolution effect with some crazy effect impulse to give it some undulating underworldly sound suddenly you can create something that had the life and the energy of david's performance but where the sounds just transformed to get mm-hmm. sort of that yeah. uh you know so that you know you can do a lot of sound designy type work or you can do a lot you know edm music or industrial or uh, glitch or hip-hop trap um there's a lot of rock stuff in you know to, you know that have like the standard beats but if you want to you know something that's more instrument you know rich and instrumental oh there's quite a few you know drum kit grooves in here too as well yeah, but but this library is not really 
built, say, around of like, I got a, a drum kit, you know, rock loop library. It's not like that at all. Like, it's so much more um, rich, so much more full than just simple cookie cutter stuff. There's, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're really kind of intense, well-crafted performances, really well-chosen. Thank you. Uh, instrumentation where a song like each element you've chosen to put together into this sort of matrix they really work to, to you know and, and i think that's that's sort of what makes this different why and why we're so we're so fucking excited about it yeah like this has great. been something you know you you spent you know ages recording it and then it's <laughs> taken ages to to sort of edit it down and 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 build the finished product but the idea that you know this is kind of as close as we can conceive of multi-sample, micro-sampling live drum performances and, and, yeah, you know, in, in a way that you can access. Uh, yeah, uh, it's great because you can dive into individual phrases and individual beats as well. Um, when we first started talking, as you know, I, I prepared a number of, of pieces just to show you what the idea was. But then we talked about the scope and you, and you told me what was possible. So then I, when I went away and it was the best part of a year altogether, um, we, bearing in mind what, what you'd said about being able to dive into beats and things like that. So a lot of the phrases, a lot, 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 lot of the pieces start off with the phrases quite simple and then I gradually flesh them out. So the way of, I like to work is I, I come up with a pattern while I'm walking or just lying down or something or, or waking up in the middle of the night with an idea which happens not the best time <laughs> to do it but um anyway and and that might be just an unusual pattern in like seven eight or something and i can i can imagine the fullness of the piece so then i approach it with okay i'll strip stuff out until i've just got the basic where the uh, the accents may be so i start playing the accents at the beginning and then gradually flesh them out throughout a piece. So you've then got sort of individual hits that have got long decay on it, so you can home in on those. Because as you know, Mike, when you're hitting, hitting a drum quite fast, when you're, the waveform is, is dying out, you hit it again before it's had a chance to, to die off. So it was important that we had plenty of dr drum hits in there. You could then mm -hmm. sample individually. So there was a lot of method to the madness. <laughs> And it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love about it is it's so dynamic. I feel like mm -hmm. like when I first started diving into the library, I was just like, wow. Like I feel like it just puts you in the space where you recorded it, and it's like it's like being in a room with a bunch of drummers. And yeah, it's just crazy how how dynamics. The first word that came to mind when I was playing around with it, I was just uh -huh. like, it's just. It is so natural, but but then once you're you start getting into wanting to manipulate the sounds, yeah, then I feel like it makes it to where anybody can sort of make it their own. Yeah, so it's like they're yes. taking what you did, yeah, and then just you know as far as you want to go with it. That's one of the things I I really liked about it. That's that's the, that's it. That's the whole point of it. It's this isn't about this is a showcase for for my performance. It's a, it's a I had very much in mind the the end the user the composer to be to inspire them, but also gave them flexibility to create something brand new. And mm. just the uh, the compositions that we've heard so far just blew me away. It's just uh, 
ideas that if they, if I'd come up with those, I think, oh, wow, that's incredible. So it's yeah, great the that demos I've, are just yeah, the first the demos, demos awesome. we started getting in now. They just they're they're phenomenal. We'll 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 probably lay some into the background of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. And uh, it 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 sort of reinforces this is why we've done it. This is because people have got excited about it. I mean, basically, when I started off. Um, I thought, okay, I've got, there's different methods of approach, isn't there? You can think I can plan it all out like an architect would and just tick off everything you've covered. You know, every every beats uh, BPM, every sort of tempo changes, um, uh, time signatures and different drum sounds. But I, I work, didn't work like that. I decided I'm going to work by what excites me. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm feeling one way, feeling quite energetic, maybe I've just done a great gig or something and I've whilst playing that gig I've come up with something in my mind or actually played it and thought right I'm going to take that home with me and just record that or I'm out walking or whatever and yeah I just I just get back and think okay I'll do some really some fast Tycho style drumming um and then gradually as the whole sort of uh project went through I filled in the gaps as I went I just get a feeling of, oh, right, okay, I need to do something a bit more down the line, a bit more ambient or quite simple. Um, and then I'd think, okay, I need something a bit more unusual. Okay, uh, what what have I got? And I'd look through my collection and just grab something different and just have fun with it. And the, the layers of stems that I, I came up with, uh, there was method. I understand what you're saying, Mike, about about having a method and enjoying it because I used the color coding in, in Logic and worked out a rainbow. So <laughs> yeah, I started with shakers and I colored them in yellow and went all the way down. Um, so yeah, well, rainbows don't start that way, but my whole map had a color coding to it. So I covered, mm-hmm. every every piece has got the frequencies from really high to really low. Um, and a lot of them were sort of written on the cajonico, which is, yeah, it's a beautiful instrument, um, just to get the fundamental rhythms. And then I would pr- possibly strip that one out later on and add something else. And then other things that didn't start with that, I'd end up putting the cajonico in there. Um, so that features quite a lot in these in these pieces. Um, and it's just sort of the versatility of sound. I would, then review it as you would if you'd written a book, each chapter one by one. I think, okay, because you, sometimes you're very close to things and you, you think, okay, I, I need to get the variety in there. I don't want to repeat myself. Um, so I'd listen to the whole thing and think, okay, that well, that piece there, yeah, I'm going to da- ditch that one and record something brand new. So even even up to, a, to, the, to the release last year when I submitted it in October, it was, um, yeah, I was still coming up with ideas. So... But then the editing kicked in, and boy, that that was that was intense. <laughs> oh yeah, I believe it. Yeah, that 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 was it. Cause I didn't want to kill the life feel, the life performance, because that's the whole yeah. point. The whole point of the project, for from my side, was to do something that bridges the gap between MIDI and live performance. Um, yeah. yeah. So getting that's the that's yeah. the thing is getting stuff that's alive to fit to a grid so that mm. it loops cleanly is is uh is a challenge and you know i think that was one of the that's of that's basically why it took a year to to do post on this we yeah you know 
deconstructed, reconstructed the content. Um, but you know, you had already done a, a, a brilliant job at, 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 at performing it at, mm. at, at, you know, so in a, in such a life, lively, you know, human way. And yet just right on the beat, right on in, you know, but not, not in a sterile way. Like there's nothing sterile about this library, but at the same yeah. time, it does click in, in, you know, it, you, 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 you can, you know, you can lock it to beat and it, and it works. Um, yeah. At that lot, that there was there was many many slices I made actually I, when I finished recording because the best will in the world to keep it bang on the grid when you when you're drumming um, so to make it seamlessly loopable I had to make loads of slices and just move stuff over a, just a tiny amount just to get it so you'd hear you'd avoid any glitches and things like that so um, mm -hmm. but once you've done that you notice that the the beat just before that has got a bit a bit more space in it so then you've got to go back a few phrases just to adjust those as well to get to get them to yeah w like i said without killing the liveness of it so i had yeah, to exactly i couldn't mechanically go through that and just press a button that said slice and sync because that would have killed it um yeah, you got to yeah. do it by hand you got to do it by hand yeah got to, and listen to it over and over and over again um yeah so it's it's been incredible to be involved with you guys. It's uh, what a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 crazy to see it kind of come come to that final sort of step. Um, one of, you know one of the things I wanted to mention too is, you know, when you were telling you're you're talking about how you in the beginning as you started working with media composers, you know, you'd be you'd, you'd sort of be handing them these these you know tracks and then having them you know chop up and edit them because mm. i mean and that's that's still a way a lot i mean this thing is a it's programmed as a virtual instrument for contact but yeah um there you know and there's a lot of crazy stuff that you can do in it because of that that engine mm -hmm. that you can completely you know you can add a, a apply effects you know manipulate playback and and just do some insane stuff with it yeah but a lot of people they just want to be able to get that that stuff get their hands right on those wave files and yes. that's the biggest, you know, big component of this library too, is that it's built so that you can do that too. You can, it's almost just like David is sending you these stem tracks and you can just start dragging them into your doll, whatever doll you use and yeah. just like lining them up and chopping them up, doing whatever you want, you know, running them through your own effects, flipping them, yeah. uh, you know, bits crushing them, whatever the heck you want to do. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what's cool about it too, is that you can like, you can there's no limit. There's no restraint on like how you you can manipulate these files to make them work for you. You th think of the number of permutations you could get. Oh, the mind boggles, really, doesn't it? It's I mean, it's, it's, it's well, it's it's infinite because not only I mean, yes, there's the mathematical number of yeah. of uh, possibilities you could just by recombining these hundreds. I mean, it's it's like six thousand samples. Uh -huh. So that you know any you know com any of those can be combined with any other, obviously. And then you can do crazy stuff with the effects and then reverse, you know, reversion. I don't know. That's not really a word. Reverse. <laughs> reverse. But it's yeah. like, it I like reversify. Where, yeah, where, you know, where you can like yeah. reverse be individual slices and stuff yeah. like that. You can get, you can get crazy with it. So I, it is infinite. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yes. But, but I think that's the, that's the, the sort of core thing here. And, 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 it, for for us, the structure and the framework, we're really excited about. Like, you know, sort of exploring this 
this pathway, seeing how people, you know, interact with it, how they feel about it. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, um, it's a really different way of looking at it that it's sort of like, it's been the way we've been wanting to look at it for a while. Like how do mm -hmm. you do, how do you do a loop library um, with, without that sort of limitation, without that sort of like, well, I've, I've sort of, loop. yeah, I've, I've sort of bound pushed this thing loops. as far as I can go. I'm, you know, I'm going to start repeating like everybody using this is going to sound the same, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. am I just not, you know, there's a way around, the, you know, it's it just break it down. It's the same way that break the multi-sampling yeah. multi -sampling had to evolve that way from just, mm -hmm. well, just record the one best note I can get out of this. No, you have yeah. to record a bunch just on that one note. You got to get every velocity and a bunch of round robin so that you can start to get that human variability, that, well, that well, that's, natural that's it. sort of That's dynamic. it, because um, like, like with um, digital drum kits, they, they yeah. incredible samples but if you play a, a role on a snare drum i know they've they've worked quite hard on getting it sometimes it can sound like a, a machine gun because the mm -hmm. samples are just repeating the same thing every time but that's not how a human plays a drum so that's always been my biggest complaint about v drum kits is that not enough of them are really built to directly you know with no latency tap into large sample sets yeah what i'd really love to do is is have a have a a virtual drum that I can play a Tycho drum from, um, mm -hmm. with with sticks and and have it bigger than the normal sort of ten inch or whatever it is, uh, and just express it like that as well. So, mm -hmm. that's as far as I know, that's not out there yet, but that that would be great to have it. Yeah, I mean, there've been a couple of really cool percussion controllers that try to get into a lot of playable zones to, to so you could get something like you know a big drum. I mean, I, I, well, I guess we're, we're talking about different things. I'm imagining yeah. sort of the hand drum thing, that, that detail, like, give me a lot of zones. Give me a lot of, of yeah. velocity layers yeah. uh, so that I can, you know, really lay it out, like, almost like it was a, a percussion keyboard, but, th but that nuance, like, it, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it'd be really neat to see a much more detailed hand percussion controller that is meant to be used most directly with deep multi-samples. I mean, there's a couple yeah. out there. I, th I think I've just not... Uh, there's that one that uses these like hard, I think, ceramic finger pads, you know, where you tap your fingers on them. I forget what they're uh, called. Okay. So I'll have to look it up. There's a couple out there. Maybe maybe something is, is available already that yeah. they can offer that sort well, of Well, that's thing. the thing. We've had, we've had thousands of years of playing instruments, and now we're trying to recreate it. Um, so, yeah. you know, actually... Back to uh, Rhythmic Odyssey, that was one of the things, isn't it? It's having, having that human thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of the instruments that are in there, I, I, I deliberately kept them a bit, sometimes a bit grungy, a bit loose, and, uh, and avoided sort of the cliche. Although there is a few sort of rhythms in there that you'd think, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that, that before. That's a little bit like James Brown or something like that, something funky. Uh, but I'd record it differently, play it a bit differently, um, and slightly different tempos and things like that, and just add some crazy things in there, like like playing um, a bundle of wicker in there, and yeah, what are different types of rattles and. But it, yeah, it all works. You know, it's they're just these different textures, but the performances are fantastic. So great. You know, first off, it's like. Uh, 
even when they're even when it's a weird you know unusual instrument like wicker sticks or yeah. uh cocktail uh toothpicks things like that yeah right it it, it no but it's still there's a, a deliberateness that it it just you know it when you hear it like it's sort, yeah. sort of like it just your your ears just said that's an instrument that's that's something that you know you would expect to hear that's what you would expect to hear there you know in that context and that rhythm yeah you know it's so the all these sounds it's um yeah i, I think that's that's kind of it it, it 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 takes our um our general sampling philosophy uh, I mean, you've kind of just applied that to in, in a performance way of just like mm. get in there and get the soul of the, each instrument, and now you know bring it yeah. to life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that that was the, that's the purpose of it. So it's great to hear people have been inspired using it, and whether people like to start from drums upwards or some people like to add drums afterwards, that's that's not a problem. You know, the way it's laid out, if you've got your tempos already sorted out, you could just go through the go through the library. Um, and just find something that fits the mood of, of your of your song, but also if you want to be inspired by something um, that, that you find in there, then create stuff over the top. I mean, composers are very often under a lot of pressure, so time is a very you know time is a constraint very often. So, like mm-hmm. you said about the WAV files, um, if you, once you're familiar with the way the things are laid out in the project, um, you can build something fairly well, very quickly. Um, uh, like you've the, you've built the favourites in in there as well. So if people have sounds they like to use quite often, then mm-hmm. they can get them in their projects. You know, yeah, you can sort by different keywords, and you know, star your favourites. It we try to make the the experience in contact as close to you know a, a simple you know as far as browsing goes as close as to 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 like a, a, a nice simple browser as you can get in contact. So it's mm. kind of it it's kind of a different um, sort of browsing method than I think you typically get to having. You know, it's not just yeah. a big drop down menu. We try to get you know a full filter system going. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can drill down. You can kind of create um, your own custom list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was gonna go with this. I think that's you know that's one of the cool things about the the wave library too is that because of the folder structure you know you you've done production work that's where you know greg and i came from uh stevens and i came from you know back in the video game world is is you you had to you had to have a a simple way of of navigating through the content so the 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 wave sample library is built uh you know where it's divided up by track divided up and then the loops are sequential the idea being that you could just go into the song you want and just pop open each directory and drag them into your DAW, sync them yeah. to grid, and that's just it. You know, and you know the tempo, you know the time signature, so you know exactly what you're dealing with. Yeah. And you just drag them in and then they just line up like like you know, like little building blocks and then you ne- you know, next track onto that. It's it, we try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. It also includes uh David's wet mix where he basically, you know, it's the full stereo mix of that whole song with all tracks into one stereo blend with a little bit of reverb and just kind of sweetened. And then there's a dry version where it's just straight up completely bone dry as it was recorded. Same thing, just a, a mix. So those two are there for easy use. If you don't want to get into the super granular level, you just want these sort of finished performances, mm-hmm. that's there too. That's also there in the contact version as well, where there's just a the main sort of stereo contact preset is basically that wet mix. So you can just get right at the stereo stuff. Yeah. 
um, to, just to hear that fully. All right, here's the whole loop with all the instrument parts, you know, mixed in. So it's all kind of right there where you need it, perfectly balanced. So I thought it'd be cool to talk a little bit about the recording process and get some insight into uh, where you recorded, how you recorded it, and uh, just a little bit about sort of uh, the different decisions that you made when it came to the recording process for Rhythmic Odyssey. Yeah, I mean, I recorded the vast majority of them in my home studio, which is a converted barn um, in a very quiet neighborhood. Well, it's, not, it's not a neighborhood, actually. It's a fairly fairly remote place in um, in Somerset. Um, so it's fairly quiet. We There's, there's very little traffic, if ever. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I've sort of converted part of the the room into um, a drum booth, and I've got a a clear sonic drum booth with heavily heavily padded because basically any room sound I want to get rid of it completely because recording for media, mm-hmm. you know, you need to have a, a, a much flexibility in terms of the the reverbs that you can add afterwards, so it's all completely yep. dry. Um, and I also recorded pine, uh, pine logs in a pine forest using a small handheld recorder. Um, so yep. set, set. got some picture, pictures of that in the uh, in the user manual gallery, and then on the site, uh, it's like literally they're straight up logs. Straight up it's logs. Really, yeah. it's really I, cool. I was just walking through through the forest with with a mate and um, saw somebody had made like a, a bivouac, a little little hut, and they had like a, a picnic area where they, the logs had been felled and somebody had put them across, presumably to make a shelter or something. So I just jumped mm-hmm. down into the ditch, grabbed some sticks and started drumming on these and thought, well, these are great. I'll come back again. So went back and got the sampling equipment and just, yeah, worked out some patterns and thought, okay, what, what does that sound like? So it's amazing actually that huge logs can sound so high pitched and it's not necessarily the deeper ones that make the the deeper pitch. What, Sometimes the, the what was the, yeah. What was the uh, what was the do you know what kind of forest it was? What kind of trees were they? Yeah, pine forest. Pine. Pine. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they're when they're dry, pine gets pretty pretty hard. And I think yes. that's where you, you know it's when they're still wet and soft. You're not going to get as much of a. You're more going to get a, a kind of a dull. Yeah. Well, wet thud out of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It was it was the um, it was springtime coming into summer so it was a beautiful time to do it um, yeah which was great fun yeah so it's basically those two locations really that's awesome yeah with all the different instruments that you have do you have any favorites is there any ones that you tend to choose or is it just is it more of a feel thing you go by just how you're feeling that day or do you have any that are just um, a little bit more special to you than others yeah well if you're talking about favorites that i play a lot of that's slightly, slightly different to favorites that I, I pick for a recording project. Because when I'm recording a project, I, I've got a completely blank canvas and I just think, okay, what, what, was, what does this piece actually need? What will enhance it? Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the thing about that the, the music for, for film and media and TV is, is that you, you don't want stuff to stand out in the wrong way kind of thing, you know? But, mm-hmm. So I don't, get, yeah. I don't get bogged down with it. I just dive in and record something. Um, uh, whatever shakers I'm using and then work from that. But in terms of my favorite instrument, it's got to be the Cajonico, um, which is in the library, which I mentioned earlier. Um, it's a it's mm. a beautiful instrument and it's made by one guy in Israel. I, I played one at a festival a few years ago 
and just started messing around in it and I was, I was so into it. I was sitting by a, by a fire and uh, before, I looked, before I knew where I was, there was people dancing around me and I thought, I was just falling in love with this instrument. So I tracked down the maker and um, uh, he sent me some audio samples and the pictures of different ones that he'd made. Um, he's also a cabinet maker as well. So these are works of art. They, they have a, somebody actually said, uh, it's got an aura of its own, you know, which, yeah, I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. It's so well made. I mean, I'm still discovering sounds that it can make. Um, and this won't mean just anything to people who aren't drummers necessarily, but it's a cajon, but it's a different, it's, it's like a, it's like a bongo. It's a small cajon and normally it sits across your lap, but I made a stand with my partner and she, she sort of upholstered it so I can sit cross-legged while I'm playing it as well. So I can play it like, um, that's cool. Yeah. I can play it like, uh, like you would, um, cajon. uh, yeah, a cajon or, or normal drum kit. Cause the snare on it is fantastic. It's, it's like a acoustic drum kit and it's got a snare release um, uh, on it on both sides as well so you get a high you get instant access yeah instant access you, you can play a high pitch snare on one side or a low pitch snare on the other and when you hit it in the middle you get like a bass drum sound so it's very portable um and also because it's so well made it's the quality of the wood and craftsmanship um it records brilliantly as well so that i find that very inspiring um that's awesome. I've got one instrument that doesn't actually appear in this library, but it may appear in an update. Who knows? It's, it's called a Sansula. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Sansula. Um, mm -mm. It's, a, it's a form of kalimba, and I believe it's made in Germany or Switzerland, I'm not sure, um, by a company called Hokima. Um, and it's, it's, got a, it's, uh, it's got a floating head on it, basically. It's a little sound, matchbox sound chamber, matchbox wood, with these... Um, uh, little pegs like like a normal thumb piano and you can get a wah-wah sound out of it by lifting up one side when you're playing it on a flat surface it's it's quite it's quite unlike any other kalimba i've played and the first time i tried one i just kind of fell in love with it you know you have some relationship with a, an instrument and uh mm -hmm. and it's it's something that our little baby loves as well because he it's it's got a sort of a enchanting quality about it as well so um yeah that's that's probably two of my favorites it's i could be here or not i love the calabash as well it's the, um i've got i've got so many i've got so many i know it's like having hundreds of kids it's like how do you pick which favorite when there's you know all of them have their own sort of unique qualities to them and yeah, yeah it's really cool it must be it must be fun to just walk into a room and just see all these different instruments and be inspired and yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I, I try and use as many as I can. You know, when people see how much stuff I got, they say, oh, that's, well, do you use them all? And I say, well, pretty much. I mean, as you can tell, I've yeah. photographed them for, for this library and um, this project. And uh, yeah, you've got, you got a heck of a lot in there. Yeah, there's a lot of instruments. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's about 130, give or take, because there's some that are kind of like sub, little subgroups. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah, it's crazy. And so we, we included all of those pictures there in the in the user manual so you can check out every mm -hmm. single thing that's in there. It's great. It's pages and pages. Yeah, I mean, just for people's interest. Right. I mean, ultimately, when they're hearing yeah. hearing something, it's it's about the audio. It's what it sounds like in a project. And yeah. But it's just kind of interesting to see, oh, what was that? Like, for instance, there's an, an unusual one called a gobiju, which is a one-string one string Indian instrument. 
um, which has got a flexible, um, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's bamboo or some sort of wood up either side and you squeeze it, then the pitch changes. So it's essentially mm-hmm. essentially one note, but it sort of changes in, in um, yeah, in pitch. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be able to be, yeah, that's, that's what's cool is like, because, you know, you, you if you're looking at the directory names, say, or in, you know, and you're trying to figure out, all right, well, what's that instrument as you're deciding whether you want to use it? Well, then you can just take a look at the picture. Yeah, there. that's it. Yeah, I mean, kind of see. Okay, names like uh, Crin, which is actually a, a log drum. Um, so it's called a Crin log drum in in the project. So you should be able to dial in what you think it sounds like or whatever, and you've got an idea. Mm-hmm. You've got a description in the title as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap it up for today. Okay. And uh, thanks a lot, uh, David, for taking the time to talk to us and kind of taking us on a journey through the your synthesis as an as an artist and the you know at the process through which uh, Rhythm Goddessy kind of came to be. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Craig. Yeah. Thank you. It was awesome talking to you. Well, thanks, guys. It's been great talking to you. So we want to thank you for tuning into the podcast and we had a lot of fun talking with David and getting to hear all of his interesting stories about his career and how he came to be a media composer. And the music you're listening to right now is actually one of the demos for Rhythmic Odyssey. And if you want to get more info on Rhythmic Odyssey, make sure to visit our website at soundiron.com for more info and listen to some other demos as well. So if you like this podcast, make sure to let us know what you guys think and leave us a review and also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and all other places that you can find it. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.